Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. You're listening to the 44th episode of the show and the second of 2017. I'm your host, Liam Edwards, ready to banish another beloved games industry member to a deserted gaming island where they will play just eight games for the rest of their days. I'm incredibly excited to tell you about who is joining me this week. For the first time on the show, we have a voice actor joining us to get the final game's treatment, whose voice is no doubt going to put mine to shame, especially with the cold I have at the moment. My guest this week has been working as a voice actor since 2011, having worked on various projects from games to anime. He's featured in games such as Xenoblade Chronicles X, Killer Instinct, World of Final Fantasy, Star Ocean 5, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, and Trails of Cold Steel 2, just to name a few. But I'm sure all of you will know him best as a certain reluctant prince that travels the land of Aeos with his three best friends. Coming off the back of one of 2016's biggest launches, my guest played Noctus Lucius Calum in Final Fantasy XV. I'm very excited to say that having drawn him away from making excellent Final Fantasy XV memes on Twitter, my guest today is the prince himself, Mr. Ray Chase. Hello, Ray. Hello, Liam. It's an honor to be on this show. I'm really uh, happy that you uh, you branched out and, and asked a voice actor yes. uh, to be on this. It's really cool. I, I, I hope one of my the things that I feel like I, I bring to voice acting in general is a real love for games that I, I feel a lot of maybe mm. in the previous generation, they people didn't really play games, at least full-grown adults didn't. Um, and I think you're seeing a lot of people like me or Matt Mercer who, who really know what the heck they're talking about. Yeah, so I'm really excited to be on a, a thing to actually talk about uh, something that I know, uh, happen to know a lot about. Yeah, it's funny because actually, since obviously asking you and the whole Final Fantasy 15 thing, and uh, we've sort of got to know each other through emails and talking mm-hmm. on Twitter and stuff like that, I have come to realize that you do know your stuff, man. You've been playing games for a long time. And even in like some of the interviews for the Final Fantasy 15 cast videos that were on YouTube, you were hinting at the sort of knowledge you had for previous Final fancy games and stuff like that and i think maybe you are this sort of this generation of people who was inspired by by games of the past to go into your current profession yeah it's it's i i always wanted to be an actor and i loved video games but growing up you couldn't the two didn't make any sense together you couldn't be both of those things an actor for video games but now suddenly that seems to be an actual career path that you can take and it's really really wonderful to be a part of something that i love so much this wonderful new medium that's out there yeah man it's uh, it must be incredibly exciting especially considering what you've been involved in so far and obviously what's happened really lucky yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely it's a lot of there's preparation of course but then it's a lot of just being the right age the right preparation the right um the right uh uh, the place at the right time sort of thing. And uh, I, I can attribute a lot of that to uh, my success, just being very lucky. So why don't we jump into this then? Because we have the red herring in the room that you are Noctis. You are the main character of the latest Final Fantasy installment, one of the mm-hmm. biggest franchises in video games, one of the most recognizable, which is just an incredible thing to be able to say. Um, yes. <laughs> but how did you get involved in Final Fantasy then? Um Essentially, how did you come to join the project, and how did you end up being Noctis? Well, uh, so I'll say this. I've, I think I've said this on a few interviews, uh, and it's the it's the truth. It's a little bit sad. I played a lot of Final Fantasy when I was a kid. <clears throat> Final Fantasy Legend 1, 2, and 3, and Final Fantasy Adventure. 
The other games were but mere dreams to me. I did not know them. I had no I didn't really know that they existed, but I really loved the 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 ones for Game Boy, which I was the only uh system that I owned at the time. <laughs> and uh, I played the crap out of them. They are not actual Final Fantasy games. They were reskinned saga games um and then uh, an adventure was uh ended up being a Secret of Mana uh sequel. Yes. Even though it had chocobos and uh, all the other, and moogles and all the mainstays, uh, not canon. And uh, I did not know that when I was a kid. We didn't have the internet and stuff like that to look up. Well, well, is this real or not? Um, So I didn't end up playing the actual games until I got the actual canon mainline games until I got cast in the role. So the role was sent to me. It was uh, just uh, Project Black. Um, we are, I, I read for Noctis, for Gladio, and for Ignis, and uh, I spent a very long time on my auditions. I did not recognize them. I just saw, okay, this looks like a JRPG, um, and uh, I, I spent a long time with Noctis especially because I felt like I really, they had a, a reference, which was uh, Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins. I know the voice has been compared to Batman a lot. But it was his Bruce <laughs> Wayne voice. That, they were, uh, that was a clip that was in there. Um, I spent a while on that and working on the lines and uh, got a callback. Uh, I went in. The director was Keith Farley. I was a little starstruck. He's Thane Krios from Mass Effect and mm. uh, uh, Kellogg from Fallout 4, although not at the time he wasn't. And... Um, I uh, did the callback, and then I found out that I got cast ten days later. And then after that, I said, "Wow, I need to, I need to know this uh, series backwards and forwards." And so I started playing them that that night, the first night uh, of my first um, of my first session. God, that started must be with so one exciting! And played them in order, yeah. And it takes a long time, yeah. Especially if you're working full time, <laughs> it's very hard to put in as much time for that many JRPGs in a two-year period is very, very hard. Uh, but I did them, all the sequels, and um, in order. So I could really appreciate how the how the series changed over time. And uh, and I loved it. I I come from other JRPGs. I grew up loving uh, one of my favorites, which nobody ever talks about, is Bait and Kaidos, Eternal Wings of the Lost Ocean. It's a phenomenal game for GameCube. Do you know that one? I do indeed, yeah. Ah, isn't it amazing? Uh, I've had some people I've had some people talk about Bait and Kytos potentially being on their lists in the past but they've never really made it past the sort of vetoing stage Um, Uh, yeah it's uh, yeah but that's the thing I guess I wouldn't want to replay it that many times I don't think there's much replayability yeah certainly yeah there's not much you can do with your characters for example Uh, it's it's more about the how you play your cards it's a it's a card sort of battle game it is that's really cool you cook in the midst of battle, if you put, say, if you, you throw raw, a raw meat cart out there and then put fire on it and then water to douse the flames, you get like something. It was amazing. That was a really cool one. So I knew RPGs very well. And then I could see, oh, now I can trace exactly how these RPGs came, uh, how Final Fantasy was usually the standard bearer in the uh, JRPG world yeah. all throughout video game history. And it was wonderful to see how itself how that franchise challenged itself to change 
right off the bat. Yes. From Final Fantasy 1 to Final Fantasy 2, you see this amazing change that suddenly became, oh no, that's what our franchise, that's the core underpinning of our franchise is is change. I think that's really, really wonderful. So when did you... So that's what I did. When did yeah, you come... And then, I, and then I worked on it for two years and... Um, and 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 fortunately made it all the way through. There was that <laughs> very scary recasting uh, possible process after Duske came out. Um, Tabata-san didn't have enough time to give notes, um, and he um, he just said, "Let's uh, let's have a new voice." Because in, in for for Japanese say use usually they do one voice only. So if you want to change a voice, you have to hire a new say you. Um, for, fortunately, um, Rocket Sound, the production company, um, Dan Inoue, the localization director for this game, and uh, and Keith Farley, our director, all stood up for me and and gave me another chance. It was a month long recasting process uh, to see if I could redo the voice in a higher register, with but keeping the same. Uh, it was it was not only could you do the voice, but could you act as this prince yeah this reluctant prince and uh and that was very very scary time very sad and but i got through it uh, but it's thankfully. it's one of those things it's one of those things now it's like when you think back to any character it's like you, i don't think anyone who's listening to this now could even imagine anyone could else, imagine anybody else anyone else yes. being noctis oh if only you could tell the youtuber commenters <laughs> that when all the uh, original english trailers came out but it's funny because you can it's like listening to you now and talking with you i can hear noctis there but you your normal voice is is a little bit deeper than noctis and it's different yeah it's, yeah i have a different uh, way of talking um i but the thing is what i've been thinking about this whole time is when you said that you <laughs> that you read for like uh gladio and ignis gladio and, ignis, and i'm trying yeah. to think of you being <laughs> either of those two characters how could i possibly yeah <laughs> i got ignis way wrong i was uh i did him like this i didn't understand what kind of trying to go the uh, posh trying to go British for the english was. man voice yeah yes. i wasn't right and then my my gladio was pretty close yeah i could do you know one of these kind of guys see that that uh, sounds like gladio close. that's not bad yeah, I, yeah. i'm trying to think now of you. you know what gladio is but all <laughs> back then all you had was a, a picture of him yeah some sort of reference i don't remember what they put for reference for him and then these 10 out of context lines. So now you know who Gladio is. Yeah. Your fish puny. Uh, he's the one who says, then take off your jacket. Uh, I could taste test it for you. Now you know who he is. Um, but uh, yeah, but back then you don't know who these characters are. All you have are these uh, disparate trailers to really make up your mind about these guys. Yeah. So it's, it's weird looking back. Um, I'm really, I'm really uh, happy that it, uh, it all ended up working out because uh, it was a, a long journey for me from start to finish for sure. It was my very first time in a professional booth setting. I'd worked on a lot of Steam games before, a lot of iPhone apps, a lot of video games that were kind of independent before, but this was my first time actually going into a real studio where there's Gears of War artwork and Bioshock artwork <laughs> on the walls oh. and you're going, this is real stuff. Oh I'm my a God, part of this now. Here? This is incredible kind of, yeah. yeah that was really intense. Uh, and a, a, a lot of my time in that booth was, was spent learning uh, from our, our excellent director, Keith, um, who was, was able to guide you through the, the process. He has a lot of video game experience mm. and a lot of experience himself as an actor so he was able to really communicate to us as actors and not so much as just, oh, it should sound this way 
his his way of directing was more, well, here's what's actually going on. Here's how you should feel about these things. Here's the story we're trying to tell. And that was, it was great. I, uh, I attribute a lot of the game's success to, uh, to him. Uh, success in the... Uh, voice acting portion of it of course because the voice acting because a lot of people obviously especially rpg fans and jrpg fans are always like we want the japanese voice tracks we want it to be as pure as possible and we oh, want of course, the yeah. dual audio and um you know final fantasy 15 does have that but one of the things i did notice about 15 that was different from other rpgs was i didn't really notice uh, you probably did because you probably sought out and seeked it but i didn't notice too much <laughs> negative response to all of you guys and like i think what well, obviously the whole game is based around the four of you. Um, yes. And a part of that is the connection you have with the characters when you play the game, but the voices are so important. And considering this game really does rely on you liking those four characters, knocked it out of the park with the voice actors, man. It's so good. Thanks. <laughs> knocked another one out. <laughs> it was, uh, we, we were able to go really slowly on this, which was great. That's the reason why a lot of the JRPG stuff is so uh, awful with the dubs sometimes. Although I think we're entering a new age where it's getting a lot better. Uh, some of the ones from the last, say, five years have been getting much better. Um, it's just time. You just don't have the time to, uh, the, 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 the localization departments just don't have the budget Yeah, to really go through each line and tell you what's going on and, and, uh, Make sure that the the actual um, conversations flow because we're never in the same booth together. I, I know it surprises a lot of fans when they go, "You never met the actor for uh, Gladio and Ignis or uh, Prompto," and I was like, "We never. We've never actually all been in a room together, not once. Uh, it's never <laughs> happened." Um, it's so because we're all recording at separate times you end up putting these conversations out and they just sound stilted and phony and, oh, this yes. didn't work out at all. They were recorded such different times yeah. with such different intentions. But for us, we had the luxury of after recording, after all of us had gone through, we could then go back, listen to conversations, take out things that sounded stilted or awkward, and then redo them. I've never worked on a game that was ever been able to do that before. That was because we had such a long lead time, I yeah. think, and because we had such... Uh, uh, good directors and, and a localization team that really took it seriously. It it did so. seem that way because there was obviously a lot of promotional stuff about you guys as the cast. You had the videos, the meet the voice actor type thing. And usually yeah. that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. So there was a big focus on, look, the, the central part of our game is the characters. And these are the people who are going to be responsible for the characters. So please like might them. as well get to know them, <laughs> get yeah, to know them. instead of having them be these disembodied <laughs> just voices. people you don't know and i think yeah, that, exactly. i think another part i'm so of, grateful to them for doing that i think another part of what's been great about since then is you have been heavily involved with talking with people about the game you've, you've obviously played through it yourself and mm -hmm. you know you've been talking a lot about it and a lot of people maybe will be like Oh, I'm so sick of that project because <laughs> I know <laughs> after I finished GTA five, I didn't even want to look at it. So, yes. So there are times there are times when I get a little nauseated by seeing pictures of Noctis uh, after a while on Twitter or something. <laughs> I go, oh, man, I know. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I know what he looks like at this point. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, after a, a, a day of refresh, you go, oh, no, 
I did something with my life. That's not so bad. And then I'm right back into uh, having a blast talking about it. It's great because, so it's you not... know, you're like in California and I'm all the way here in Japan. And I go like to my local game store, which is like five minutes away from here. And there's just a huge poster of your character in oh, that shop. So weird. And it's so, so crazy, weird, isn't man. it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the weirdest thing for me was explaining it to my parents or my girlfriend uh, who aren't uh, gamers themselves and saying, it's weird because this is... This is a uh, a phenomenon, but you don't see that much of it. This is something that happens in people's living rooms. So you don't know. I don't know how many people have played the game. I have no idea, but it seems to be an awful lot. Uh, it seems to be an awful <laughs> lot of people who care about it. Yes. That uh, That's a very odd thing to me about uh, about video games more than any other medium, is really not knowing who who is out there watching it. What sort of impact have you made on uh, on the people who have played it? So it's... It's it's definitely a journey. It's only been out for God less than a month, just more over, than a month, just over a yeah, month, just yeah, over a month. It's nothing like, but it it's seems nothing, to have been yeah. around for a while. Like, there's just been so much about it, um, and obviously, maybe not so much to deal do with you, and probably it's not something that worried you too much because your performance is different to how the game, the final game, would be. But for so long, obviously, fifteen is this game that has been in in development for a long time a long long time yes. and so many people speculated whether it was going to be good and it went through so many changes right. and all that kind of thing right and was that worrying you a lot or were you like i'll just do my performance hopefully people will like my performance it really is something because when you're working on the game you don't see any of the gameplay you don't see what the level designs look like you don't know what the towns really look like other than what they show in the active time reports so I really, I knew that it was out of my power to do anything to make the game itself better, so I could just do my role and do the best job that I could. That was really all that I could possibly do, because that was all that was in front of me at the time. Were you, like, reading previews and watching videos? About oh, all the time. I was there for every active time <laughs> report. I wanted to see everything and uh, and know everything about it. That was a great... Uh, there was a lot of fun for me because a lot of times we would record something, but I wouldn't know what it was even for or what it was even uh, like what the uh, I, I had such a hard time keeping the towns straight when we were recording because you'd go in once a month, talk about a place called Altitia or Kayam and go, what is that? Which one's that? Which one's Luna from? What's the difference between Accordo and Eos? What is this? So that was the hardest thing for me to keep track of. And it was always good to see on the Active Time Reports, oh, it's like Venice. Oh, yeah. I see. So that kind of stuff you would, that, that, that was, I was always excited to see. Excellent. And of course, gameplay, because that was something voice actors have no idea what the heck that even looks like or is. That's always usually the last thing to be revealed fully when a game comes out. Yeah, and being a, being a gamer yourself, I imagine you're just hoping that the game is going to be good anyway so you can play it and, yes, and have absolutely. fun. But Yeah, but knowing that it was a Final Fantasy title, I knew it was going to be good. There's really no bad ones at all. And even the like... <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know, some people would argue that maybe, you know, 13 or maybe 13. Oh, yeah, but it wasn't but bad. It's, it's never not bad, altogether bad. bad. Yeah. It's, never, it's never like, uh, say... I, um, I think the word Star you would Ocean five bad. Yeah, the, yeah, I think the word you put around it is maybe disappointing. I think is it's yeah, not it bad. It's just it's disappointing. But there's things about every single one of them that knocks it out of the park. 13's music was incredible. Yes, you were right. The voice acting was really good. I argued that the point was a great. lot. I thought 13's music was one of the best in the series. I yeah. really like the soundtrack to the game, especially the 
the first, in actual fact, one of my most played tracks while playing 15 and driving around in the huh. regalia is the opening title screen to 13, because I love that track so much. Not um, Blinded by Light. I, I can't remember. Just the one that plays on the, when you have uh, Amano's artwork and it's the title screen. Oh, okay. Just, I don't think I know that one. That, I guess that didn't make I as big of an impression. I can't remember. Um, but it's just like a piano sonnet type thing. And it's, wow. It's really nice. But, yeah, so there's never anything fully awful about a game. Uh, there can be things that are about a Final Fantasy game. Um, there are things that can be good or bad. And I knew that 15 had such a good um, team working on it. Yeah. People who were so passionate about it that I knew it had to be good. Well, Ray, we are speaking about Final Fantasy 15. And I think it's appropriate that we do move on to your first game. Um, I you, wonder what it is. I, yeah, I wonder. I mean, we could, <laughs> I think it's a good place to start. Um, but you are here to talk about eight games that you would take with you to Desert Island. So after the first game, I think we can, we can let you relax a little bit and talk more about the games that you've played as you've grown up and stuff. But we are going to kick things off with Ray's final games list today by a little game called Final Fantasy XV. So why don't we listen to some excellent music from Yoko Shinomura and dive straight into it. So, kicking off Ray's final games list today, I, of course, there is a game that would, of course, feature in this list. I imagine for sentimental value, for the past few years of Ray's life, and also because it's a pretty damn good game as well. So, yeah, I think so. kicking off this list, developed by Square Enix Business, Business Division 2 and published by Square Enix, directed by Tabata-san himself, released back in on November 29th, 2016. It's the action role-playing game featuring a prince called Noctis, Final Fantasy XV, Ray. Please tell me why the first game that you're taking with you is Final oh, Fantasy XV. The first 15. game, well, actually, the next eight games are all Final Fantasy XV. You can shut off the podcast now. <laughs> it's over. Uh, no, this is the first. I had to, you have to, I had to choose this. I mean, of course. It's the, you know what's what's interesting is you have, uh, I'll, I'll hint about my eight games right off the bat and say that as a voice actor, not too many of my games have voice acting at all. Um, I wouldn't say I didn't count. Uh, I know I can. Yeah, I can see what you mean. There are, yeah. So yeah. Uh, oddly, this is this is one of the games that uh, is representing uh, my my actual craft in in voice acting for video games. It's it's really the uh, the only real representative I have for that that I'm playing uh, that I'm picking 
for the voice acting. I think it's excellent. I thought my compatriots did a really, really good job. And it's something that I can always remember and say, oh, yes, I, I did something with my life. I was a part of this game, not from start to finish, but for a very large portion of its development time. And was, um, was very close with uh, some of the developers and the localization team and made some really, really good friends because of this game, who I will miss because I'm on my deserted island. So that's one that's one of the reasons I, I want to bring it is just for for personal reasons, of course, uh, for something that I was a part of. And also because I think it's a pretty damn good game and there's a lot of stuff to do. I have not platinumed the game yet. Have you? I have not. And we are good because the game is only a month and a bit old. We're not going to spoil mm-hmm. too much either for people who haven't played. So we're yes. going to talk in very general terms. Unfortunately, I imagine you would love to go in, in depth about some things. Um, oh, no problem. I've done plenty of spoiler interviews, so I don't need to do another <laughs> one for sure. <laughs> but I have not platinumed it yet. But I Yeah, have. and I haven't either. There's a great deal of the, side quests, of mob hunts. Of there is a really certain fantastic thing about Final Fantasy XV, which is after you finish the game, there is a lot to do after There's that. So much Such, post-game content. In some this game. incredible post-game. Some of the best post-game content I've seen from a game in a long time. Yes. So. It's a I'm good, really it's a good choice for that. an island. It's a... Yeah, and there's a lot of this DLC and these extra cutscenes coming out, so there's a lot to look forward to at least in the next year or two of, of post-post-game content, which, uh, which I'm excited about. So let's talk about the game then itself. Obviously, when was the first time you actually got to play it? Did you have to wait for everyone else, or did you get sent like the special like Amano artwork, uh, <laughs> limited edition, and all that kind of stuff? Yes, I've, I uh, I bugged Square enough, and they uh, they let me have a uh, Ultimate Collector's Edition. I could not. I would have gotten it on my own had I been able to actually do that but unfortunately they sold out so <laughs> they sold out very quickly so uh, i eventually got that but it it took a, a a little while and so i and i wasn't i think i was doing a convention that weekend or something but i wasn't able to actually play the game for quite a while maybe like a week after release that i was actually able to finally sit down and and play the game for the first time oh yeah and when i finally did i had Two speakers, a left and a right speaker, but I did not have a center speaker, which I guess is where all of Knox's dialogue <laughs> lived. <laughs> so I was playing the game and could not hear any of my performance. It was very, very sad. You probably did that on purpose, didn't you? You're like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to hear my own voice. I don't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, it was very sad. So uh, my first couple of nights, I uh, got through the first couple chapters, and I wasn't able to hear. Um, Anything that I said, or any of the cut, any of the dialogue in the cutscenes, which was all in the center speaker, so it was very, uh, <laughs> it was a very sad experience. But it was really fun to play the game and listen to the music and and enjoy the gameplay for the first time. So let's talk about the gameplay then. Um, obviously, you for your research for the role of Noctis, um, you went back and you played some of the old Final Fantasy games and basically went through the whole series. Um, mm-hmm. How how do you feel about the changes that were made um, for? 15 you obviously sort of maybe you knew a little bit about what was happening with the changes before um while you were playing the older games um what 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 was the sort of big big thing for you between the older final fantasies and 15 i definitely think that the, the first thing that comes to mind is of course the real-time 
actual combat that yes. you have of this game uh, as opposed to uh, almost all of the other ones. I mean, the other ones get close, but uh, but not quite the same feel as that Kingdom Hearts feel where you're you're actually swinging your sword and making decisions yeah. uh, in real time. Dodging, moving, yes. and strafing, yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. I think it's a necessary thing to happen for the series because as much as I love turn-based or the active time RPGs, you see kids... Who, don't, who didn't grow up on that, look at that style and go, why aren't they fighting? Why are they waiting on the sides? And I understand where that comes from. It's not necessarily, it's a design choice that came because of the limitations of the hardware. And uh, from that sort of D&D perspective of, well, this guy goes and then we calculate the damage and then this guy goes. But it really doesn't have any bearing on actual combat. It's not, I'm sure if the very first RPG designers sat down, they would have loved it to be real-time combat because that's what makes sense. That's how fights are carried out. <laughs> that's, but, yeah. yeah. That's what so real I life is like. <laughs> that's what real life is like. And if you want a fantasy game that is uh, based on reality or a fantasy game that at least puts you in the action, then you have to have that real-time combat. But we grew up in a time when that just wasn't feasible or or if it was it was pretty lame you just swung a sword and it didn't really do anything yeah um so i really like what they did with it i think it's so smooth it's so much fun to play there are i wish as someone who's some of my favorite games are the class-based games like five or tactics um i wish there was more role playing in that essence i wish you could make like i i i'm I've made not sort of more of a mage type, uh, worked on, on more of my magic skills than anything else. Ooh. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of different ways to play Noctis. He is what he is. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's one thing that I find I, I found a little bit disappointing, but you can't really really. Do you, do, do you sometimes get a little disappointed when you have like Gladio stepping in to protect you or something like that? But the thing is, like, what I feel like Noctis is incredibly powerful for. Mm-hmm being the person he is and like he very very quickly progresses into being one heck of a beast uh exactly in terms yeah. of characters so i imagine by the end um getting giving no spoilers away you are like fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is a really good feeling yes for sure once you once you're actually doing well but one thing i also like about this game is that just because you're leveled up doesn't mean you're gonna win every battle the creatures are extremely, they get extremely difficult and you have to make sure that you're playing the game correctly in order to beat them. I like that part of the game. I like it that reminded system. me, it reminded me very much of a, another game you were involved in, uh, which was Xenoblade Chronicles X, which is, mm. you can sort of stumble into an area and uh, find monsters that are sort of way over leveled above you. Um, and that happens a lot in 15 as well. You can walk into sort of certain areas Absolutely. and uh, you can get, you can get, absolutely messed up by some yeah some even if you're over leveled for the areas because some That's of those true, those yeah. curls or corals or however you pronounce it are terrible at no matter what level you are they're really really hard <laughs> and i like that i think that's a really good thing that it's not just oh as long as i keep playing this game for a long time and just kind of waltz i can just waltz through all the battles you actually have to be good at what you're doing I do love you know that. do you know what enemy i hated the most in 15 was what the 
The guys who come out at night or in caves that look like wizards with weird tentacle faces. I forget the what they're mind flares. Yeah, the mind yes. flares. I hate them. I hate them yeah. so much. I hate they them. They were really hard. And they, they put confuse on you, right? I yes, they do. Status. I'm like, oh. what's going on with my controller? And uh... Just terrible. <laughs> really, really hard. Yeah, those guys are those guys are monsters. For me, definitely the curls are the, the hardest. Um, so I did I did really like the gameplay. I wish there was more role-playing in it because that's what I I really get excited about that sort of aspect in games but you did the ultimate role-play you, you, <laughs> you, you did the ultimate role-play <laughs> you, you literally became the character you did the ultimate role-play yes yes you're right about that for sure can you imagine um, if there was an RPG where you got to record your own voice lines that then got input wow. the game input to the game like players could become their own characters because you you've you've already done that that's incredible. I don't know if that would be good or not, but that's an interesting idea. Just the fact that you you act with the game. Yeah, maybe like you could record like there was already pre-written lines and that you just say them and then they input yeah. them into those values. So when they trigger in game, it's your voice with uh, wow. maybe with like yeah. uh, what's uh, EA's like game face technology where they like take a picture of you and then map it onto like a character. Yeah, um, with that you don't as need well. that many. I did uh, Tyranny which was a great game developed by Obsidian. I played one yeah, of the... Yeah, that's a really good game. Yeah, it's a great game. I loved it. Uh, I played one of the player character voices, um, aggressive, I think it was, and it's only like 12 lines that the player character says over and over and over again uh, when you pick a lock or when you defeat someone in combat. So that would be an interesting idea to say, hey, before you start this game, read these 12 lines into your uh, yeah. microphone and uh, and we'll upload it into there with your with your face really cool that's a really cool idea that could that could definitely be especially for you know stuff like like tyranny or like diablo or something something that doesn't require that many lines but is constant like the character like get out of here or yeah yeah but now i'm trying to think like would i rather listen to my voice or would i rather listen to your voice and uh... well you'd have the option i'm sure you'd (laughs) otherwise i'm out of a job (laughs) (laughs) that's true can't have too many games like that otherwise you're not needed yeah, exactly. And also, I guess there's a lot of <laughs> it's open for doing impressions and for uh, not saying the actual line and, in fact, saying something rather rude. Uh, that rude would just play or, over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Penis over and over and over again every time you open a lock. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about We spoke a little bit about it before we started recording, but let's talk a little bit about what it's been like since 15. What has it been like being <laughs> Noctis, being the guy responsible for Noctis, now looking forward to 2017 and stuff? And I, I imagine life has not changed too much, but there are some maybe small things now and again that pop up that surprise you, I imagine. There is nothing, no, in no way has my life changed. It is it is very disappointing uh, that, uh, <laughs> no, no, my life has not changed in any way. Um, there is, uh, I think... As far as the industry is concerned, people who are casting directors and stuff, they're not the ones buying stuff on the first day. And since it's been out for very, a very short amount of time, I don't think it's really, my performance has really been noticed much by the industry itself. Um, and I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with, uh, with it being noticed or not being noticed and still having to book jobs my own way. Because uh, that's the way it's always been and I'm yeah, used to Yeah, but now, anyway. now you could be like, oh yeah, like signed guy who played Noctis in Final Fantasy 15 and then I imagine more more gets noticed now. 
Maybe, maybe. It's the the thing that's fun is Twitter. When you start out as an actor, they all say, "Oh, you have to have social media," but it's awful when you have nothing to tweet about. If you're just some <laughs> schlub who is working as an usher in the LA Music Center and there's nothing to talk about and nobody follows you and nobody cares. The one fun thing is it's fun to go on Twitter every day and come up with some lame joke and uh, have a bunch of people like it anyway. Because you've been knocking it out of the park in that regard, haven't you? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm certainly, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun little hobby to have on the side. And that's, that's really the only change is being able to talk with a whole bunch of uh, uh, very funny fans themselves on Twitter <laughs> uh, and, uh, and be able to appreciate their artwork. I really, I'm a champion of, um, of artists. It's uh, like literal artists. It's something I could never do. And uh, I know how much support means. So I love being able to retweet something and, uh, and seeing that person's follower count go up, say. I really enjoy being able to give back in that respect. Excellent. I do highly recommend for anyone listening who doesn't follow Ray on Twitter that they do so because oh, it is an excellent sort of love to 15. And also some of the jokes Ray comes up with about 15 – Pretty good. Pretty pretty down <laughs> pretty down good. <laughs> People like them for sure, which is nice. I uh, imagine though it's just as you said, they're like casting directors, maybe they don't get the game immediately in there are projects that are already been doing. But when they're looking forward, you know, to projects in the future, some of the big releases from twenty sixteen. Uh, obviously, one of the biggest is Final Fantasy 15. So maybe, maybe manner of time. I maybe think the, the the thing you can hope for is that when they go on your IMDb, they go, "Oh, I've heard of that game." Because I think that's really all it comes down to is, okay, they have a they have a track record, so we can bring him into. Uh, what cast, what casting director would be worth their salt if they hadn't heard of Final Fantasy 15? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how these decisions are made, but I can only <laughs> I can only assume I can only assume the worst. Uh, that's that's how I've gotten through life uh, this far as uh, is not being able to uh, assume the best for sure, <laughs> preparing for the worst. Well, I think it's about time we move away from Final Fantasy 15 because I imagine as much as you have loved being involved, yeah, sometimes it gets a little tiring to talk about the same thing over and over again. So that's the one thing. Yes, it does get hard to say the yeah. same thing over and over. Again, but you're you're different. I like your podcast, uh, and we've talked about different things, which is nice. But we're not done yeah. with Final Fantasy 15 because before we go to my second game. This is the part of your podcast where you say, where will you go? Yeah, but we're going to listen to some music first before we do that. Okay, raise, okay. raise ahead of the game. I was I amazed. I like your podcast. It's very good. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate that so much. Prince Noctis likes my podcast. Come on. <laughs> like 2017 is already doing very well. So let's, let's move away from Final Fantasy 15 as a game. We can talk about the worlds in a minute. But let's listen to some music from this next game, which is a game I'm fine. Well, a game series I'm very happy to finally be talking about on this show. Mm -hmm. And um, was one of the first things I said to Ray when he showed me his list. So let's listen to some excellent music from this series and let's dive straight into it.
So, Ray, you are entirely correct that before we move on <laughs> to your next game, the second game on your list, we have to talk about where you're going. Yes. Um, and I don't know where you're going to be going, but I imagine it's someplace related to the game we just spoke about. Yes, we'll talk a little bit more and then we'll never speak of it again. A- again. <laughs> the so, place where I, I want to go, uh, you chose in your end of the year wrap up to go to the world of EOS. I did. Which is a indeed. very big world. And I thought about it, I thought about my choice a lot. I think it's a little terrifying to go to a place because part of the rules of your podcast is you can't, there's no NPCs there. There is And not. I feel like going to a city where the, even if there's no bad guys, that's there's no one there is a little scary. So, a little eerie, for sure. Yeah, a little, just a little eerie. So I wouldn't want the world to be too big okay. uh, and, and too devoid of people. So I would choose Cape Kayan from Final Fantasy XV. Okay. I love that's, that place. That's... It's a... Yeah, it's a, it's a reasonable size. You're not gonna get too. It's it's not too small. You've got a little boat. You've got the car a little bit if you want to drive a little ways around. But it's it's nice. You've got a great view. You've got that house right there. You're used to camping now as well. You know, yes, you've done a lot of camping. Right. So yeah, <laughs> and you can do fishing there too. So uh, you'd still have a lot to do. And that music is just wonderful. Right, exactly. Also, if you can play the music, that's one thing I've come to realize as well about choosing a place is I think if you had like a little button where you could have like the music play in yes. the background, so it wouldn't get too annoying after a while. You could yes, turn it on and off, yeah. but just yeah. so you could listen to the music. Um, what that's I did want to ask is what would Noctis say about being trapped on a deserted island? I get to play video games. Not too bad. <laughs> great I've always wanted to ask a voice actor to do something like that (laughs) oh yeah it's always great fun and it's so great it's isn't it awesome that I got to play a character with such an easy voice to do it's so many people I'm sure I'm sure get uh get really annoyed with it's a really hard you're voicing someone like this and there's always one request you get crazy but uh it's great that Noctis is just me kind of whispering it's just wonderful it's just you being a bit more laid back kind of like you're stoned almost like yeah, a, just yeah, a little chill. Right, yeah. Like you're just sitting a little back, bit stone. Just like yeah. you're sitting back in the regalia, taking a few tokes. It's uh... ah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I used to read a lot about you know like the the original sort of Dragon Ball Z dubs and um, Sean Shamel who played Goku, you know, screaming like when he was doing the Super Saiyan voice, yeah. like screaming in the booth and like knocking himself out for a lack of like oxygen in the booth, and just some oh, horror yeah. stories about stuff like that. Yeah, you can get, and there there have certainly been characters I've played who have been like that, or or certain Killer Instinct was were some of the hardest sessions ever, just because you are screaming so much for so long, and it's so specific. It's oh, we need a four second long kick, and you're on fire, uh, and that stuff is really that can be really brutal. But uh, Noctis, for most of it, it's a lot of just straight up talking or hanging out with friends. There's not a whole lot. The Titan and Leviathan fights are the ones that he's really screaming for the longest parts, and uh, and that wasn't too bad. They were very yeah. respectful of of, uh, of my voice for that, so I, I appreciate it. Have you compared your voice to like the Japanese voice actor as well? Have you? Well, have I listened you... to him as I as I played through or as I um, recorded because uh, we uh, we had to know some things, like if it was something very specific, like oh timing, being struck by lightning. Oh, yeah, okay. how does this sound? How intense is it? Or a lot of them were like, uh, for some reason, the voice actor does like a little tongue click at the beginning, wastes three seconds, and then says one word. So we have to find out why he did that. So uh, there's a lot of, so I definitely heard it, him a lot. 
Um, I'm excited to hear the French and the what is it? French and um, German, I believe, dubs too. So uh, really, I hear what those are. I haven't gotten a chance to really. I've seen the first scene with those dubs in, but I haven't really seen what they what they end up being. So I'm I'm excited to see what they are. Excellent. Well, Ray, we can now move on um, from Final Fantasy <laughs> and we can get into what you're here to talk about, which is the games that you haven't worked on, maybe, or that games you're not associated with. That's um, correct. Yeah. I promise I won't ask too much more uh, Noctis voices from you either, although you're pretty much just <laughs> talking in Noctis's voice all the time. Yes. It's your yeah, own voice. It's not but we're going to talk about your next game, which is a fantastic series. Um, and I'm so happy someone finally chose this series to talk about on the show. It's a game that was developed by the wonderful Intelligent Systems, you know, the guys responsible for Fire Emblem, this this series, and so many other Nintendo games that you probably don't even know about. Um, it was originally released for the Game Boy Advance in 2003, and was also released on the Wii U Virtual Console late in 2015. It's Advance Wars 2 Black Hole Rising. Black Hole Rising, yes. It's Ray, a good game. Thank you. Thank you it's for choosing an Advance War Games. Finally, we can talk about Advance Wars. <laughs> yeah, I loved, I loved, loved this series. I played the original. I don't know what it was that attracted to me, me to the original. Maybe reading about it in Nintendo Power or something like that saying, oh, that seems interesting. But it was my first tactical, I guess it was probably a lot of people's first, uh, other than maybe uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, because Fire Emblem wasn't really out in the United States. Um, no, there was still, uh, I think, early 2000s was still very much a Japanese kind of game. Um, yeah, yeah. And so we didn't know about it much. So I think it was my first time seeing a turn-based strategy game and going, wow, that looks really cool. I'd played Command & Conquer as a kid and uh, always got nervous. I'm, I'm bad with, uh, with working quickly. I'm not good at the that kind of like fa fast games. Uh, I, I, my reaction speed is not very good. I, I, I'm more often going to panic. So Command & Conquer made me uncomfortable because it was, oh, what am I going to do? Maybe I'm going to make the wrong move. Um, I'm really scared. Whereas Advance Wars, it really felt like chess and, uh, and really getting to sit back and, and make decisions without having to without having to get too emotional about it. Um, <laughs> I guess that was what really, that's what attracted me to it in the first place. It was a really interesting looking thing that I was looking forward to. And then actually playing the original game, which was my first, uh, I really enjoyed the character design. Was really, they, they, they go for the anime tropes, but then they also don't go for the anime tropes with a lot of them. For some of the countries, like Blue Moon, you get Olaf, who's the Russian general who controls the snow. Um, you get uh, Grit, who's that southerner guy who's the sharpshooter. Yeah. You get all these really <laughs> interesting, they're all anime styled, but mm. um, they go further than your, your traditional... Um, uh, anime archetypes and I really appreciated that I liked the how original all the characters were and um, and the gameplay itself was really really good then Black Hole Rising came out I guess in 2003 I, I picked that up as soon as possible and played it so much it really expanded upon the everything that you wanted it was a real good sequel in that it it just gave you everything that you wanted and more. Yeah, it um, was one of those where the core gameplay didn't change. It was very much like the first all. one, but it added everything it added was better. Just Perfect. better just better yes. things on top. Yeah, they had those uh, troop transports which the original didn't have. You had so many different other options. Yeah, there was like for eight missiles. New 
there was like eight new CEOs or something. Oh all. yeah, and then so yeah, every single country had a new. You had for Blue Moon, you had Colin, who just had the the little young guy with the hat that was too big for him. He had all of his <laughs> all of his troops. He could make everything really cheaply, but they weren't as effective. But sometimes that was good because a lot of uh, that strategy of that game was just swarming the enemy with uh, with units because everything could only attack once a turn. So if you had more things, you could sometimes overwhelm an enemy even if they weren't as strong. Um, I love the campaign. The The campaign for Black Hole Rising was incredible. You had all of the, the countries banding together to fight against Black Hole, which now had new CEOs other than Sturm. Yeah. Was really, and they all have their own style of being evil and uh, ineffective at doing so. Uh, that charming, ineffective evil that's so much fun to, uh, to see. <laughs> the, the, the charming, ineffective evil that does make a giant death ray, though. Yes. <laughs> that, that would destroy almost half of yeah. the world. Well, I think, um. <laughs> I think Sturm, Sturm was scary. The leader of mm. Black Hole was, yeah. was legitimately scary. You never saw his face. He was he was silent a lot of the time, but his lackeys were pretty dumb, and it was fun to watch them kind of flounder around and beat them and go, "Aha, Adder, you're terrible." Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was really good. And then so it had all that stuff in the gameplay and in the campaign, and then it had and the reason why I'm taking it to the island most of all was it had a near infinite number of these really interesting versus maps where you would play against the computer, which the AI was pretty damn good. And so many of these maps were made by the uh, by intelligent systems and things that were um, things that were uh, made by the the game creators themselves. But then you also had one where you could make your own maps and play to your heart's content. And I think I could do that forever. Uh, play the campaign, play it on hard mode, and then play through all the versus maps against all the CEOs, and then make your own maps. You could do it forever. It was really, really fun. It's just such a good game. I'm so happy to yeah. be talking about it because just there was so much about Advance Wars that was very special. The artwork, the way the presentation worked, the gameplay, the characters. Um, it's just a series that keep that kept on giving and. Up until the later DS versions, like uh, Dual Strike and then all that kind of stuff, it's a shame we haven't seen this series since. It hasn't come back, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it a real still bummer. hasn't come back, and I don't. I'm just not sure if it will. Um, yeah, yeah, it really doesn't seem to have made much of an impact on the gaming sphere. People don't talk about it as much as they do, say Fire Emblem. Um, but I think it was it was really really a wonderful game. But that's okay. I played. I never played Dual Strike because I didn't have a DS. So I, I missed that, but I felt so satiated by Black Hole Rising that I don't know I don't know what a, a new one would give. I I could play those versus maps forever. I and, think uh, I think you'd be surprised. I think if you got pick pick yourself up a DS if you still haven't get get Jewel Strike and get Days of Ruin, which is the one after Jewel Strike, because oh, Days of Ruin no. is also a very good game. Oh, um, there's two more. Oh, there's bummer. two more. Yeah, um, I definitely think you'll be kicking yourself for having not picked them up sooner. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to see what happens. Still Sturm? Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. Oh, bummer. <laughs> bummer. Wow. Oh, I want to see that. So, yeah, I love, I love those games. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm glad to finally that it finally makes it on your show. Which is I'm very happy to. Show. It's a series that held – I just remember the first time playing them when I was in school and – 
having no idea what I was doing, but the sort of bright color, friendly, welcoming sort of artwork of Advance Wars always drew me in and I just got better and better in it. It's one of those games that stuck with me for a very long time, right up until the later DS versions. Yeah. And it, and I forgot, we didn't even talk about, one of the coolest things is you have those CO powers. So each CO is different yeah, in terms of what CO they bring powers. to the ta- table. Yeah. But then they you have a meter that eventually rises up and then you you can unleash a power. And it was the only advantage you had over the AI was they never, whenever their CO power was full, they would just unleash it immediately. Because um, you didn't have to unleash it immediately. You could bank it for a little while. But the uh, the AI would just always do it immediately and they would never use it in concert with uh, with what they were trying to do in the grand scheme of things. So that was the one thing <laughs> you could uh, you could count on uh, beating the AI at was... Uh, was their injudicious use of their CO power. <laughs> There's some s- such cool skills as well, just being able to like make units have attack bonuses, heal all your units, yeah. just soldiers have like 60% firepower boosts, and there's just so uh, a lot of variation with that game as well. Yeah, and no voice acting, even though it sort of screams for it with how interesting the characters were. Oh, the, the music and the sounds, though, just... Yeah. So good. <laughs> excellent. Excellent game. Would you so, would yes. you be up for working on an Advance Wars Nintendo Switch updated oh, version with voice gosh, acting? Gosh, that'd be amazing. Oh man, I would love to. <laughs> I'd love to. Well, we're going to move on to your next game now, Ray, which is quite a juxtaposition from what we've just been talking about in a game I never thought would ever appear uh on Final Games. For whatever reason, I think I've been saying that, I've been finding myself saying that a lot recently, but I think it holds very true for this next game. So, (laughs) does this game even have music? If it does, that's what you're going to hear next. So jumping in to Ray's next game is a game, I, as I said, I never expected to be appearing on Final Games. Uh, <laughs> it's a game I've never played myself, but I know <sighs> during a time there was a period where a lot of people I knew were playing it. I don't know why I never jumped onto this, but it's a game that came out in 2013 for the PC. It's like an incremental game that was developed by a French programmer called Julien Thénault. The aim of the game is to bake cookies. At as great a rate as possible. The next game on Ray's list is Cookie Clicker. Ray, what's this all about? I wonder what music you'll pick. Uh, it is it is a musicless game. Um, it's probably just going to be infuri- someone infuriating clicking a mouse for about yeah, a minute. I guess that, yeah. <laughs> Cookie Clicker, I think, is a wonderful... I'm very much into independent games. I love them. 
I, I play a great deal of them. I like conceptual games, games that are just about one single concept and, and doing it to its ultimate. I love games like Progress Quest, if you know that one. Do you know Progress Quest? I've heard about it. I've heard it associated in the same vein as Cookie Clicker. As so. Cookie Clicker. It's in these in-browser games that are just almost sort of like jokes to, uh, <laughs> to what games are. But I think Cookie Clicker is phenomenal for taking yourself onto a deserted island. So what is, what is Cookie Clicker? You open it up. Um, what is the... Uh, the actual URL <clears throat> for Cookie Clicker is a little long and confusing, and I don't know why it is the way it is. But if you just Google Cookie Clicker, you can open it up. And you start out with a cookie, and you don't know what you're supposed to do, but there's a lot of things you can buy on the right-hand side, but you don't have any cookies to buy it with. And soon enough, you figure out that as you click the cookie, you bake a cookie, and it goes into your cookie bank. And then you can buy <laughs> more things on the right-hand side. The more you click on this cookie, say 100 times, you can buy another mouse cursor that can auto-click the cookie once every 10 seconds. And with another 110 cookies clicked, along with the help of your brown, uh, the, the other cursor, you can get another cursor that also clicks it once every 10 seconds, but in concert with the other one. So eventually you get 10 of them and you have these 10 cursors that are all clicking the cookie once every second and you're generating one cookie per second. Then you can hire a grandmother who can bake cookies in, in the, your cookie kitchen at the rate of say like, I don't know, two a second or something like that, but she can do a little bit more efficiently. You can hire multiple grandmas the more cookies you click. And at a certain point, you stop having to click the cookie yourself because you have all of these, these incremental, passive ways of, of clicking the cookie in the background. And, um, and you just keep buying more and more. You get a, I have it open on my browser now. I started up a new game today. Um, you have a farm. <laughs> that you farm these chocolate chip cookies from. You have the cookie mines, and sometimes you have miners that get trapped in the chocolate mines. You have you also have a scrolling feed of, uh, you have a scrolling feed of news sources, and it starts out where, oh, some people in your family bought your cookies and they're having a good time with it, to, oh, people in your town are, are willing to try your cookies, to people are driving across town to get your, your famous cookies. Um, right now, my news says, cookie factories on strike, Robotic minions employed to replace workforce. <laughs> History books now include a whole chapter about your cookies. Um, I have some cookie banks open, some cookie temples. Um, you are the cookie up for king. A cookie wizard tower. Um, you get, uh, I have, uh, it looks like I've got 83 cursors all clicking right now for me. Um, I've improved their efficiency at clicking the cookie. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing because... It really makes you think about infinity. Part of this, and that, that's what I think I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, on, the, uh, on Cape Kayam while I uh, await my, uh, my death. Um, I'll think about infinity a lot. It's a concept that I, uh, I, I think about a, more, a lot for some reason. I don't know why. It's just fascinating to me that something can never end, that there can always be a bigger number. And... What happens with this is right now you start out, you're, you might be generating 10 cookies a second. 
And then after a while, you're generating 100 cookies a second. Suddenly, you buy a whole bunch of stuff because you're like, oh, wow, I'm just generating so many. This is incredible. I can't even keep up with how many cookies are being generated. But then eventually, these things, everything like the factory costs like half a million cookies to open. So after a certain point, you're like, ah, oh, man, 100 cookies is really slow. Oh, now I'm doing 1,000 cookies a second. Great. This is great. And then soon that starts to lose its luster too. Right now I'm generating 154,000 a second and it feels like it's crawling along because I'm saving up for 330 million cookies for this wizard tower and it's just not, suddenly these numbers just mean so little to me and I'm waiting for my billion cookies. It's so incredible how big numbers can be and that there's always another number around the corner and you can leave this up so this is a very passive game. After a while, you st you, there's no clicking. You all you're doing is just yeah, buying things and it's selling sort of things. Part of that generation that was defined as like I, sorry, idle gaming. Like, yeah, it just runs in the background. It doesn't take up too much of your processor, and uh, it's just a thing you can have running. And even if you were to run it for a week, and you you have quadrillions of of cookies, you're still looking for a quintillion cookies, and that takes so long to get to a quintillion <laughs> when you're generating. Mere millions per second. It's fascinating. Just a, a fascinating concept just to see work out in real time. And, of course, the design of the game is really funny. And all of these uh, these um, gra these grandmas that you employ, these identical grandmas who eventually start working <laughs> on your farm uh, and get trapped in the mine. It's, it's, it's just a charming little game. And I think it's a, a very fun Desert Island game to play for the next 50 years and see just yeah. how far I can get. Maybe well, you, I'll reach infinity. I was sat here thinking, man, what is my life? I'm listening to Noctis try and def justify <laughs> why Cookie Clicker is a good game. But you've kind of sold it on me that when you go to a desert island, like a deserted yes. island or a deserted place, this is the kind of thing that's going to keep you... That, it's the kind of thing that's always going to keep you aspiring to something yes. in a strange way, no matter how small or how silly it may seem. But you, as you said, you're always chasing that quintillion cookie yes. generation. And um, I'm sure there's, I'm not much of a math person, but there's a lot of optimization you could be doing. I don't. I just say, oh, that looks, it'd be nice to have another temple because then it would fill up the little bar of temples that I have on the bottom. Uh, so I'll buy that. But they do produce things at a different rate, and maybe it would be best to start selling off your grandmas to buy a bank, uh, say. <laughs> so there's a lot of, if I've got 50 years, I could have my one game going right when I got on the island just to see how high I can get it. And then another game that's more of an optimization uh, strategy just to see, like, well, how should you be playing this game uh, instead of just buying things because they look pretty and you want to fill your little bar? Maybe um, it would make sense to uh, to actually do this in a... A, uh, a better way. I would I would be interested to find that out. Excellent. Well, you've you've justified it to me that I think it's quite a valid choice, and I never expected. <laughs> this is why I love doing this show because hearing <laughs> stuff like this is quite incredible. Like I cookie clicker. Why why would you waste one of your valuable eight spots? Why would you value? Why would you waste it on this? And uh, you've you've done well, Ray. You've done incredibly it's a good, well. Just... It's a good game, and you played. Frog Fractions, I assume, right? Another yes, yeah. Another Frog Fraction game. 2 is out now as well, for that's anyone right, who doesn't know. That's right, that's right. secretly out now. Uh, <laughs> good, good. I like I like these in-browser games. I grew up playing a lot of Flash games um, on Newgrounds new and stuff. Yeah. I love, oh my yeah. gosh, some of the best upgrade. 
Yep. Uh, Armor Games had the Upgrade Complete was one of their games, I think. Just a great conceptual game. Did you ever play that one? No, but I played. I spent many, 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 many a moon and hours on Newgrounds watching both Flash animations and playing Flash games. Some of their games, Armor Games in particular, had some wonderful concept games about the futility of upgrades. Upgrade complete. You had to upgrade. You start out, it's just drawn out in crayon. You have to upgrade the graphics so it's in pencil. And then you have to upgrade it again so it's 2D and then 3D. And then you have to upgrade the text so it's localized correctly. It's You have to upgrade every single aspect of the game. It's just a little Space Invaders type shooter, but wonderful concepts. Just fun things that explore uh, some of the silly things that video games make us do. And, and I think Cookie Clicker is emblematic of that uh, in, in, its, in itself, in its absurdity. I like games like that. <laughs> well, it's, you are entirely free to take it with you. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> it will be going with you to play. And while you're sort of, you know, when you're reliving the good old days of hearing Noctis and the, the guys and playing through Final Fantasy, well... You can also sometimes just click away and make more cookies and pass the time. <laughs> yes, and I just got the wizard tower. Bam! Yes! <laughs> wow! Oh, my God. The wizard tower produces 352,000 cookies per second. It is 25% of my total cookie creation. It's wonder- It's just a wonderful feeling. It's like This is ridiculous. This is just- truly ridiculous. So much of it is incremental where you're like, oh, I'm only making another 40,000. But when it doubles like that, oh, it does not happen often. <laughs> Do you get I'm to see like a little wizard? A <laughs> Do you get to see like a little wizard making cookies? You do- uh, The wizard tower... Has a, no, unfortunately, there's no, uh, the cursors are animated and the cookie itself is animated. It looks very heavenly and there's some milk that uh, flows through. But unfortunately, all of the, all the rest is not animated. It's just a little, (laughs) little sprite that sits there that's a wizard tower. So unfortunately, none, nothing. (laughs) Well, we're going to come on the come down now. Yes. And uh, we're going to move on to the next game, which is also uh, another game on this list I have no idea about. Um, It's a, a game that, was originally released for the Atari Lynx, of all things, uh, as well as being released on multiple other consoles and platforms too. So why don't we listen to some music from this next game, and Ray, you can tell me all about it. Next game on Ray's list is a game that was developed by a developer called Epix, and it was published by Atari, and it was originally a launch title for the Atari Lynx back in 1989. It's like a tile-based puzzle video game called Chips Challenge. Ray, what is this all about? I did not know that it was 
uh, originally for Atari. I had no idea. Yeah. I thought I think most people know this game from as one of the games that came for free with Windows ninety five. Chips yes. is a wonderful one. So you've done a little bit of research, but you never you never actually played the game. I have no idea about this thing. I think you're a little bit younger than me, if I'm correct. I'm I'm twenty nine. I'm 26. You're 26, and I think that's all the difference, honestly. I think that's when, because Windows 95 was what was in my parents' uh, my parents' computer at home. See, Windows 95 I remember, but what I remember from Windows 95 is there was this, there was this game called Windows Soccer, and that was all I ever played. Uh, I didn't really play any other video game That sounds very British. But yeah. why was it called soccer and not football? Because it was Microsoft and they were American. Uh. That's why. <laughs> Disgustingly, <I never. laughs> they abused the word of football and called it soccer. But it was it was actually one of like the first PC video games I ever played because I mostly back then I was playing Super Nintendo and Mega Drive, which is the Genesis for you. Um, so I didn't really know anything about playing games on PC apart from this one game. So I actually I don't know about this. There were quite a few. They had a Microsoft Entertainment Pack. Let me see. Aha, wow. So there is... Oh, but it's ugly. You can play this game <laughs> online. It looks like someone made a faithful recreation of it, but it looks terrible, and I'm sure the music um, isn't uh, isn't there anymore. Ugh, ugh, ugh. This is making me very sad. Uh, maybe you can play... <laughs> maybe you can play it uh, here... Oh, that's what the Atari version looks like. That's interesting. I'm so used to the Windows version. Um, play DOS games online. It looks like uh, on DOSBox. This will be this will be the correct version, I think. Um, Chips Challenge came with. Uh, there were some other ones. Pipe Dream uh, was another one that was really uh, popular, and the the Rodents Revenge, I believe, was another one that came with this yeah. entertainment pack. Because it was and, like Microsoft Entertainment Pack 4.1 or something. I remember. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I remember getting the one for 3.1 back in the day, and that was basically just Solitaire and uh, and that and Minesweeper, and that's all you could do. And oh no, that no, I think that also had uh, Ski Free on it back in the day. Those are some good ones. Um, Chips Challenge was the puzzle game it's it's hard to describe um there's about 160 some odd levels and they are very well designed with a very good flow to them and all it is is you're you are chip there's some sort of loose story where you're this computer genius and you're trying to get to some other genius's birthday party and they left a whole bunch of puzzles in the way that you have to solve and what you're doing is you're trying to collect all of the computer chips that are strewn about these levels, but they're usually locked behind keys or other things. There's some spies who take away items, and there's ice that you can only skate in one direction on that you can't uh, change your direction as you're moving. There's fire that you can't cross unless you're wearing a certain type of boot. All of these restrictions that get you through there, you're picking up these puzzle pieces, and once you have collected all of them you can bypass the chip barrier and go through to the next level and there were multiple ways each level had a four letter code to it and sometimes the code was hidden on the level itself either in the the tile set itself you'd realize oh wait these are just giant letters spelling out the password to the next level or five levels from now so you had to, in some way, get all the way through all these levels, but you didn't necessarily have to play all of the levels in the correct order. And there was a lot of 
the flow to it was really fun. The first, say, 50 levels were all pretty possible. And you were like, oh, okay, I, I see how this one works. Or, oh, this, this was a more action-packed level because there were enemies that had specific yeah. ways of moving. And there was a lot of switches where you'd have... There was a lot of puzzles where the enemies would move in a specific way and you had to trick them into hitting switches at a certain time so that you would go forward, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and then after a while, it got really hard, but still possible. And what I want to do on my deserted island is beat Chip's challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was reading about this game, I, I obviously don't know too much about it, but because re- it was released for the Atari Lynx as a launch title, and it was made by a guy called Chuck Somerville, who went on to release more puzzle games like Chip's Challenge 2 and also Chuck's Challenge. Uh, <laughs> but he made this game with a team of programmers in 10 weeks. That's it. No way. Yeah. yeah, it was originally made in only 10 weeks. That's incredible. The diversity of the puzzles is insane. They have so many different types. There was one called Nightmare that I'll never forget where you, because some of these were really slow switch-based puzzles. Some of them were geographical puzzles, just figuring out how to get from one edge to the other. A lot of them were blocks you'd put into the water, um, and so you'd make bridges on. So it was a lot of like Zelda moving block puzzles. But one of them, Nightmare, was this, uh, um, you couldn't stop moving. It was about a very specific way of keying in the moves because you were, one thing was leading to the other that was leading to the other and it was all happening in real time. That stuff like that, I was like, that must have taken years for them <coughs> to figure out the timing for. But I guess not. That's crazy. 10 weeks. That's amazing. It only took them 10 weeks, yeah, to make all of the, what is it, 148 levels or something, some huge mm, Yeah, it's somewhere up there. And they're it's, all different. There's no, there's some where it's like, oh, <clears throat> ice skating level one, ice skating level two, ice skating oh, level okay, three. Yeah. But it's, it's clearly, one okay, level. you got through this one. Here's the same thing, but 10 times yeah. harder. And here's the same thing, 10 <laughs> times harder. Um, so there's no real repeats. It's really, really good. So this is the this is the one that if you go to you know your deserted place and this is the I'll be happy dying knowing that I defeated Chip's yes. challenge. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah, that's what I'm. Looking <laughs> I for. can die now. <laughs> one of those. I can pass away peacefully knowing I finally, finally took finally down Chip's challenge. Went to that birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ray. This, this whole block of games is sort of um, games I have no idea about. We're going to move on to one more game that I have no idea about again. Um, you must have grown <laughs> up playing PC games. and Yes, I never the- had a... So I missed out on a lot of great games, such as Final Fantasy, such as things like Resident Evil. I, I never had a PlayStation growing up. I only was... Nintendo, and even then, we started pretty late. I got an NES when I was like 12, which was by the time N64 had already come out. So I played a lot of DOS games. That is the aesthetic that I love the most. I love, I love uh, those kind of games and these these Windows games. Um, so that's that's why I, I guess it seems to be very heavy towards those these early '90s games that I love. Yeah, so they much. are very early '90s PC games. That when people usually say early '90s PC games, people think of you know the shooters of like Doom and Wolfenstein and right, Quake right, and which I played. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but <clears throat> we are we going like even a step further back, like the pre-dawn of when video games exploded, and were more <laughs> just applications on a PC for you to fiddle around. Yeah, with. but that's what I yeah that's what I spent the most time uh, most of my time my childhood 
childhood playing. Yeah. Well, we're so going to move on to your next game now, which I imagine doesn't have any music either um, <laughs> or very, very limited music. So why don't we try and listen to something and then let's dive straight into it. <laughs> There are classic lines, classic wine, classic claims, and now there are classic card games. So the next game on your list, Ray, is a game that even when trying to research about it, I I couldn't find too much either. Oh no! Um, it's a series. I, I think it's like a, a series of games together. Like I many... looked it up later. Um, we're talking about Hoyle, right? We are. We're talking about or its official title, Hoyle's official book of games. Um, that was developed by Sierra Entertainment, who were obviously a huge PC giant back yes. in the day. Um, but is this like a game that has many different game, like types I of games? I didn't. I wasn't aware of this. I looked it up when I was making this list, and I realized they made two sequels to this game. I, while making the my list for you, I ended up looking it up just to see if I can play a little bit and uh, and relive the magic. They had made two sequels that I had no idea about. I played them for about five or ten minutes, and uh, I thought they were just terrible and completely missed the spirit of what I liked about what I guess was the original Hoyle Entertainment Pack or uh, Hoyle Games or whatever the actual name of it is. Yeah. Um, it's a great DOS card game that has a bunch of games in it. And if I'm looking for Deserted Island something to bring. Um, I want to bring something that has a lot of games in it already and something you could play card games forever. It's something yes, that you can. Uh, it this just never gets safe sold. bet. It's a safe bet. This game in particular had, uh, they have games like, uh, they've got crazy eights and old maid, uh, gin rummy cribbage hearts. I love hearts. And, um, uh, uh Klondike, they had a solitaire game uh, and the AI was really good. You had a lot of different characters with lovely DOS era art for them. It was <laughs> the Sierra, so they had. Yeah, you could play against the developers themselves, put their their faces in there and their characters and play styles in there. You could play against Graham from King's Quest. Um, it was uh, the characters were really really fun, and they all had different ways of playing, and they all had different strengths and weaknesses for each game. So there was a lot of different people you could play against that all had their own personalities. It was really, really fun. It does have music, so you'll be able to find there are two music tracks in that oh. uh, in that game. Uh, and the, the opening music has always stuck with me as a wonderful little uh, uh, PC speaker uh, melody that I loved so much as a kid. 
<laughs> I think it'll hold up uh, great over uh, over the next forty years because it's just it's just so these are time tested games that you could play forever. So this is just sort of that safe bet. I like cards. It's got the aesthetic that appeals to me. This Absolutely. is just a no-brainer in your mind. Yeah, there wasn't. This was definitely one of the first games on my list. Like, oh, of course I'd play Hoyle forever. It's so good. <laughs> it's so you, much fun. Have you ever had a conversation with someone about Hoyle before? Have you ever found someone who had the same sort of, oh my God, you played Hoyle when you were younger? I thought I was the only one. Kind of. Oh man, I've never really met anybody who really had the same upbringing that I did, unfortunately. My love of DOS games such as Bricks and, uh, oh, Biomenace and uh, Blake Stone Aliens of Gold, these are the games that did not age too well, I guess, and not a whole lot of people played them or talk about them today, unfortunately. You were definitely the first guest who has had their sort of gaming beginnings steeped in that sort of DOS box era. I've, in DOS, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even now, even when you see, like, there are so many YouTube channels out there that talk about certain specific areas of video games, but there really isn't too much about these old DOS games. They seem to be, like before the pre-dawn of everyone started playing, you know, the NES and all the, of the video games, we had stuff before on the Commodore and the Atari and stuff like that. And that's where people seem to be getting into video games, but DOS is not something that has been spoken about a lot. I guess when I, yeah, when I think about it, if you were a parent of that era, you would give your kid a Nintendo to get them to shut up about playing video games. Um, and unfortunately, I guess we didn't do that until much later, uh, we bought a uh, an, an NES at a garage sale for twenty bucks and uh, played some had some fun games on that, but that was pretty late. What we mostly had was a it was a PC in the house, and our parents were very good about us playing games on it. And I had a grandfather who sent us thirty two shareware titles, so I always had all of these games: Halloween Harry and Zargon One and uh, uh, Ken's Labyrinth, all these great shareware titles of the of the day. That I played over and over again. Um, I'm sure these are not hitting any notes with you, but they're I pretty have cool. No idea. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm absolutely like incredibly interested to check them out. I met Tim um, Sweeney at a uh, from Epic Games, now called Epic Games. It was Epic Mega Games back when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. I talked to him about how much I loved Jill of the Jungle back in the day. One his first games but um <laughs> i can imagine you bought like a tear to his eye and no one had ever asked him before <laughs> yeah it was more like oh my gosh you remembered that game wow um love the art style love that kind of stuff uh and that's what really i just played those games so much and uh, i would even go to the my game store in the neighborhood and uh, they had diskettes that i would then be able to load in some games like that it was uh oh there was so, so much fun so much fun uh, so all the past three games that you've chosen, then could they all run on one one PC? Is there were they all running on your old Windows ninety five PC? So no, I didn't have a Windows ninety five PC when I was a kid. Uh, when I was a kid, kid, I had a compact computer that only had DOS and Windows three point one on it. Okay, and I barely used Windows three point one. So um, it was mostly I spent most of my time in DOS itself. Um, that's how I learned a lot of, uh, of actual computer stuff. Back in the day, I, uh, yeah, so uh, so it wouldn't all be on one. No, it, it could, because Windows 95, you could have, there was a little DOS program within Windows 
that you could then play games on. But it always ran too fast. I didn't like that. It was, uh, I like it when it's a little bit slowed down like the old DOS days where things took a little while to, uh, to get going. I'm trying to think if we could sort of re-earth, unearth like your old PC from back in the day to take with you to play these games. <sighs> that would be so nice. I love. I feel guy. like giving you an emulator, like a DOS emulator, just doesn't quite do it. It doesn't get the how... same feel. Yeah, you yeah. have to play it on one of those old systems to get that. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the clunkiness was built into the games. There was supposed to be a little bit of a delay, so it was, so it does work out. When you play it now, it's just a little too smooth. It's tough. <laughs> well... Ray, I think it's about time we get back on my terms and we yes. start talking about games I actually have knowledge about. And I know a lot about this next series. So why don't we listen to some excellent music from this next series and let's dive straight into it. Now, now I can actually contribute to the conversation <laughs> uh, after Ray's superb. I'm so interested in hearing about games that just I don't know about. I, over the years, I've accumulated so much knowledge about video games that sometimes I am incredibly not to toot my own horn per se, mm-hmm. but that I'm surprised I have maybe not heard about or the stuff that is something that is an area that is quite alien to me. And the yes. DOS games of that era are very alien to me. So incredible to hear about. Yeah, because they don't, they don't really get remastered at all. You don't ever see them coming making a comeback. Yeah. I think it's because it's incredibly difficult to take that kind of artwork and in some way HD it because it never looked bad in the first place, but it was yeah. just so simplified um, with the limitations of the technology at the time. Yeah, exactly. But we are here now to talk about games I can can I can contribute to, and especially this <laughs> series. And you're, you, Ray, you're a big fan of mine. And I mean, I'm a big fan of yours, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of yours because not only have you picked Advance Wars, a series I love, but you've picked this series as well, uh, which is developed by HAL Laboratory, directed by the one and only Masahiro Sakurai, released back in 2001 in Japan and then later in 2002 for Europe and uh, America. It is the one and only Super Smash Brothers Melee. Ah, so good. Ray, why? I, I mean, I can answer the question for you, but why? <laughs> why are you specifically taking Super Smash Brothers Melee? Super Smash Brothers Melee. That was that was. It really put it all together. Uh, Super Smash Brothers for N sixty four was very good and really fun at the time. But then going back, you realize how clunky and slow it was, and not slow in a good way like DOS. It was. It's just. It's kind of <laughs> clunky. Um, and so limited, you look at that character stream and you go, wow, there's nobody here. And then you go all the way to Brawl where there's just so many you can't even keep track. Um, Melee really, really brought that series uh, to the next level and I, uh, I played it as a, 
a teenager and, and just loved it. It was a great way of bonding with friends because everybody knew how to play that. Everybody had at least some experience at school, so you could always make a new friend by playing Melee with them. Um, I'm surprised why you think nobody else has chosen this because you said funny. that nobody actually chose this uh, uh, so, in, in all 43 episodes. So, no, I don't think anyone has chosen Melee. There has been, I think, two other instances of someone choosing Smash Brothers, but obviously the latest iteration, because Smash Brothers kind of improves over time. But Melee holds a specific place in a lot of people's hearts. Obviously, the competitive <clears throat> esports yeah. scene is huge on Melee. The speed and the finesse of that game is just incredible. Even for someone who knows how to play it, it's very hard to follow still. Um, but no one has specifically chosen Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, you are the first. But you like that. It's your favorite too. I like it. I I am I am still batting my head every day whether Melee or the Smash Brothers 4, which is the latest one, is my favorite. Because I love Super Smash Brothers 4 as well. Gotcha. I've never played that one, so I have no experience you with that. You should, I'm sure it's good. You should. Yes. You should. And then we, can, <laughs> we can play. We can play online. and uh, You need test, a Wii U, test. I'd imagine, right? We do, but I imagine soon enough, uh, if rumors be true, there will be a Nintendo Switch version. The Switch version, yeah. Um, oh, so you might able to be, you might able to dip into that one. <laughs> yes, that would be really, really fun. Okay. So tell me, tell me a little bit about you and Melee. Then, like, uh, was this like a thing you had, like a group of friends you play regularly <clears throat> with, or um, it wasn't you, so like, much practicing? a group of friends? Uh, okay. That uh, yeah, it was just a, a. I had friends who I would be able to play with, who were all very good in their own ways, and it was that was fun. It was fun to bond and play. But I also think if I'm alone on this desert island, it has a great level of challenge. Oh, there's so many challenges to it to get those trophies and being able to play each and every adventure mode with each and every character on very hard um, as as one of their, you had to get, that was how to get one of the trophies, I remember. Um, classic mode with every single character. And those wireframes were so hard that I'd love to be able to fight those guys for all eternity and really be able to show them uh, who's the best Dr. Mario in the world. So, and it had, that was the one that had Break the Targets for the first time and Race to the Finish, right? Or the platform one. Um, the Race to the Finish and they were both in the original uh, N64 version as well. But you, it was the first okay. time Home Run Contest Home Run Contest, that one. Home Run Contest. Really fun. You had Adventure Mode, obviously. You had Target Test. Um, You had the event modes as well. I think that was like the biggest thing as well, where you had the specific scenarios where knock three Donkey Kongs off the stage in 30 seconds or something. Oh, my God. I forgot all about that. That was so much fun. Oh, yeah. And you'd have to fight Ness and Lucas in, uh, in Onet. That's right. I remember that. It was so much fun. Wow. Yeah. So you'd have that as well to play, too. And Brawl didn't have that. Brawl had, Brawl had its, uh, what was it called? The subspace, subspace emissary, whatever, uh, the adventure mode kind of story yes. mode thing that they had. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the side-scrolling fighting challenge of Melee, which was very, very fun. Yeah, they had some really cool things. I forgot about that uh, event mode. That was so cool. And really satisfying when you could beat those themes because um, they were really, really well done. Wow, I they were all about really that. well yep. done. They Nailing paid this. homage to each series very nicely. Like yes. the fan service inside of you was like screaming at how yes. 
<laughs> Absolutely. It was that was great. So I would play I would play adventure mode forever. Yeah, Brawl's adventure mode was just too long and not really any better than what what Melee did so well. And Melee has both classic and adventure mode, which is great. Melee had Dr. Mario, who's my favorite character, so I would be able to play him, but I think it's a lot about making it uh making it through with every single character no matter how hard it would be doing home run <laughs> contest with solid snake would just be brutal or no he's uh, solid snake wasn't on that one was he no he was uh, on brawl but there was some that where it was like very clear you wouldn't do home run contest with like luigi because yeah. smash launched things up instead of outward so it would just so finding a way to get that uh <laughs> hit that home run contest with luigi, with luigi would be so hard but you could do it i saw videos where people would do it on, with every character finding new ways to do that so i would spend a lot of my time doing that yeah you're speaking directly to me this is the kind of thing i i aspire to do on a deserted island as well just absolutely get everything in one of the Super Smash Brothers games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just waste away just doing all the home run contests and all the event modes and everything. Um, just, I, I adore this series. People who have listened to the show know I just adore Super Smash Brothers. Um, you said Dr. Mario is your favorite character. That's right, um, yeah. What about some other characters that you play? Do you, uh, were you one of those guys who always played on random or were you straight to Dr. Mario? I was not good enough to always play on random, for sure. I, eventually, when you're sitting down with someone, you play your best characters for a while, then it's clear someone's better or something like that. And then you start just screwing around and playing as Donkey Kong or one of the terrible characters. Um, you can, uh, there were, they were always fun to play. I was best at Dr. Mario. There were some other ones who were really fun, like uh, Game & Watch I was pretty decent at. Game & Watch is great. Uh, and Pikachu I was all right with. Um, I was never good with the very fast characters, like I've said, I'm terrible with that. And then not good with the slow characters like Ganondorf, because they're just very hard to use effectively. Your timing has to be <laughs> so good. So I like the guys who are in the middle, like Pikachu or Dr. Mario. Excellent. Do you watch the sort of esports? Do you like turn on Evo and watch the uh, melee competition, or is that something you've never sort of got into? I've never seen. No, but they do. They do that um, that special move all the time. That little quick dash thing that all the pros do. So I don't know that one at all. So I'm always <laughs> mystified by that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? They they do that wave dashing. Wave, wave dashing. dashing. Yeah. So I never learned that. I guess I could learn that on the desert island. Too. <laughs> you Be could. Just you like could the pros. Maybe if you somehow find a way to return, you could somehow build the regalia oh uh, upgrade to fly home if you were smart enough. Um, <laughs> and, and become could, an esports genius. You could become an esports champion. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really fun, especially on a. Because I don't think. I think it's pretty determined what the good characters are at the esports level. The meta is pretty well established, right? Um, and Dr. For Mario Melee, sure is yeah. not on there. No, not that I know of. You know, it's got like Peach Fox. and Jigglypuff and Fox and yeah. I think Falcon maybe. Um, yeah, there is like a stunted amount of characters that is actually yes. viable. Is, so it'd be fun to, yeah, it'd be fun to throw a, a curveball and uh, see how they would uh, deal with that. Dr. Mario's pills. Really oh fun. God! It's Noctis, Noctis XX Prince who's pulling out the Dr. Mario. This is crazy. This is one of Evo's most crazy, craziest moments. It'd be so funny. That'd be really fun. It's funny because I don't tend to go into it too much. I used to back in the day, which is talking about the sort of review scores uh, for games. Um, hmm. Obviously, Melee is a is a renownedly famous title, and Nintendo obviously always have that sort of high quality. Um, mark that 
everyone knows. Uh, yeah. The Metacritic for Melee is 92 out of 100, which is massive, of course. But yeah. I was reading it, and something stood out to me, which was that Edge magazine here in the UK gave Super Smash Brothers Melee a 6 out of 10. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's so weird looking back. Those retroactive scores where you go like, oh, you missed it. You missed the mark. That's okay. <laughs> you just think about like, did he play with people? Did he? Not, <laughs> did he not have fun? Um. <laughs> well, you you were a uh, a games writer yourself and still are. Yeah. Do do writers ever or reviewers ever sometimes go against the tide just to make a mark? Uh, I wouldn't. I, the thing is, a lot of people speculate stuff like that, and I would not be in a position to comment so much because there are so many more prolific and fantastic writers out there who have been more steeped in the industry than I have. Um, but f as far as I know, for all the people I've ever met and all the people I've got to know writing, that is definitely not the case. Um, okay. only I could, I could imagine someone who maybe runs like a fan website doing it, who wants to stand out, but no professional ever would have any want to do that or need to do that unless they truly thought that. Yeah, um, good. good so good. yeah, I wouldn't imagine that being the case. Uh, so I Edge really legitimately reasons. It. Yeah, probably. Well, I imagine when they they would defend the six out of ten being an average, not a bad game, just an average game, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But these day and age, anything seven below is just automatic disappointment, isn't it? So absolutely, yeah. Um, but I imagine he had his valid reasons for doing so, and uh, I would like to f dig up that review and try and try and read it and see what exactly he was aiming for or what he missed, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. It would. Well, Ray, you are going to be taking Smash Brothers Melee with you to destroy with Dr. Mario. Uh, and I'm very jealous because I, I would do nothing more than spend a lot of my time playing Smash yeah. Brothers in a deserted place. I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be great. Well, <laughs> so luckily, I'm still in the real oh. world. And I can still play this uh, Smash 4. That's true. Point. I can't yeah, believe right. it's been, what, two years now since it was released. Wow. Well, almost three now. We're in 2017. Oh, my goodness. Um, you need you need to get on it. It's a fantastic game, truly do, fantastic do, game. Yeah. A lot better than Brawl was. So yeah, you need to do that. Hopefully today is the day of Nintendo's huge Switch bonanza. Yeah, maybe, we'll see. How maybe it turns we'll out. see it. Maybe we'll see it. But we are going to move on now to your second to last game, Ray. Um, it's also another game I can talk about quite justly. Um, so why don't we listen to some excellent music from this next game, and let's dive straight into it. So the second to last game on Ray's list today is a game that's developed by Obsidian Entertainment and published by Bethesda. It's the 
it's sort of the the black sheep of the sort of 3D fallouts, um, but there it has a loyal fan base behind it, and so many people who prefer it to Fallout 3 or Fallout 4. It released back in October of 2010 for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360. It's the excellent open-world action role-playing game, Fallout New Vegas. Yes. Ray, why is the second-to-last game you're taking with you, Fallout New Vegas? Well, uh, it is my favorite game of all time. It is... Wow, it is, it is okay. I, I, can't, I can't get enough of Fallout in general. It is... Um, it's my, my favorite series. I love, I love that world. I love the creativity. I love the role playing elements that you can really put into it. The character classes that you can just make on your own and the just myriad decisions that you can make in any one playthrough and play style. I love, uh, New Vegas. I grew up in Las Vegas, so there is a a bit of a geographical affinity to that area. I think they did a excellent job of showing what a fallout world uh vegas would have turned out to be i think it's really yeah. fun and they have i always did wonder that i have i literally have no reference point of vegas whatsoever so oh, i always right. did wonder ah, yeah, yeah yeah um well they did they did great they did a really good job of showing the different types of desert which it's not all one type of desert on in different areas around Vegas. It's different types of desert, different rock styles, different plant styles. And they did a good job of showing all those different ways that it uh, that a desert could express itself. I thought Red Dead Redemption, that was a game that I also thought about uh, putting on this list for a while. But, uh, but ultimately, I don't think it has as much replay value. But I thought they did a really good job of showing what the American West is like. And as someone who grew up there, uh, I really enjoy playing through those those sort of games. Um, New Vegas, you say the black sheep, but I think it's it's definitely the fan favorite out of I all think, of the I think I think you're right. I think it's it's strange when it when it was first released. There was so much in terms of the the patches they had to make, the bugs, the issues that there was this definite. Uh, I wasn't there for that. I wasn't there for there, that. So okay. there was this huge controversy around it, and obviously it was developed. By Obsidian, right. uh, who are you know fantastic RPG developers in their own right, but yes. it wasn't Bethesda. And off the back of Fallout Three being such a massive success and yeah. uh, all that kind of thing, it was I don't know at the time not greatly received, but has since become I feel like even more loved than Fallout Three was. Yes, and Fallout Four. I think also people have said that it is it is the pinnacle of what this series could be, other than the the true diehards who say no, Fallout Two is. Um, but I think it's more fun being in the world than playing around it, like those are Abo- above it. <laughs> yeah, above it. I above love it. being in there with the music. It's so much fun. It's just the 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 dichotomy of this happy, cheery, yet sort of sinister in terms of lyrical content music while you're you're fighting a, a super mutant. It's just so. There's nothing like that in the world. It's so cool and. Um, New Vegas, yeah, I guess that's the thing. If I really had my druthers, I would find a loophole and say that what I would bring to the Desert Island would be Fallout 3 with the Tales of Two Wastelands mod because I loved Fallout 3 as well. But if I have to pick only one, I'll do, uh, I'll do New Vegas because it was really good. And the, and I mean, I'll, I'll just be echoing what a lot of people, this, this has appeared on your show quite a few times, right? 
Yes, it has. Yeah, actually, more than Fallout Three. So ah, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure you've already you've explored a lot of the things that people love about it, which is the writing, the factions, um, the gameplay. The faction, that yeah, of the factions is a big part of why people love it so much, and what makes it stand out above Fallout Three. Yes, absolutely. That there, you have a lot of player choice. Of course, it's not going to be infinite. No game is going to be perfect. But you do have a lot of different play styles you can go through, a lot of different endings, just because there's so many different and very easily recognizable factions. It's a lot of fun. Um, and which uh, faction? I guess I'm which... trying to think of something that I could add to it that nobody's talked about. I played my very first playthrough was an unarmed playthrough, just because I wanted to see what the heck that would be like. And the unarmed combat was pretty good. You uh, you get a new move every 25 skill points. And you get some more from um, talking to people and doing quests. Like there's well, a, a ranger that gives you a move in one of the um, people in the uh, in Kaisar's camp gives you a move. So you it's a, the unarmed combat was actually pretty dang good, I, I'll have to say. And I'm sure nobody else has talked about that. Did you have to put all your like skill points in like luck and what's the talking one i f always forget what the, the in charisma in charisma yeah charisma to it, talk uh, in that situations. one um no i ended up with endurance is what you really need to be able to do that because you need to be able to, you can only fight one enemy at a time so you need to be able to fight someone unarmed while you're getting shot at by other enemies that was the toughest part about it but after a while it does get a little bit easy and um a little repetitive. You can't do a whole playthrough just because you reach 100 pretty early on. So you have to start doing other stuff too because otherwise it gets too boring. But I played most of the game completely unarmed just to see if I could do it. And it was very fun. Very fun. So have you played like... If I'm thinking correctly, were you sort of... Did you do some voices for Fallout 4 or were you involved in that in some little way? I was... I played a very big character in Fallout 4 and was unfortunately cut from the ending. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, that was a very sad time. Uh, and it even happened uh, just about the time when I was being recast for Noctis. So <laughs> it was uh, it was a very, very hard time uh, oh, no. for me. Um, you pulled through, which is all yes, that Yes, I did. But man, yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, when I recorded for Fallout 4, I was blown away because this was before it was announced. They did it such a... From announce to release was like a four-month window. Yeah, it was like game. June to October, wasn't it? Just yes. like, bang, bang, announcement, here it is, bang, it's coming out in October. Yeah, like, it was And really here's a mobile fast. game to tide you over. In the yeah, winter. oh yeah, Fallout Shelter, yeah. So they um, they obviously worked on it for years before, and um, voice recording was a couple of years. I, I had recorded it about two years before it came out. And uh, I was blown away that they were even making another one uh, where it was set to all that, and here was... Oh my gosh, here's a I played a character who had a lot of impact on the story. So I got to see a lot of this interesting stuff that happened around it. So it was very, very I, I was I was just blown away. I almost cried. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> so, I imagine sitting yeah. on that for a while must have been huh, that and, and Final Fantasy was a hard thing to <laughs> it's hard to keep those NDAs absolutely as an actor. Oh yes. It's yes like, it well, is. <laughs> What does it matter if people know that I'm in it or not? I can I can get work hopefully, um, but I it, it's worth it in the end to be able to keep a secret for that long because then uh, yeah. you're, you're trusted, which is nice. So uh, they were nice enough to give me, even though my character was cut, a um, uh, an additional voices credit. So that's why 
you get uh, you get that on IMDb. So that I, I'm very thankful <laughs> to them for doing that. I understand they make you know they make decisions, and and that's just the way it is. So I I understand that. I have no no hard feelings. Can you see? Have you played through four? Can you see where your character maybe had fitted in and? you can see why it was taken out or maybe is it just like there is like no trace of it whatsoever yes you could definitely see what what happened for sure yes yeah absolutely but i can't i don't want to talk more about it it's 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 too much (laughs) even though the nda is released there's no reason to talk about things that don't end up in the game at all so yeah uh, that's very true that's very true obviously we saw this week that a game that everyone was looking forward to scalebound was canceled so oh my god it's gonna be crazy yeah, stuff about that that will come out, but you know, it all, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because the game won't see the light of day unless someone right. picks it up. So, yeah, I, under, I can understand that. I can understand. Yeah. So, talking about then, purely from a sort of gameplay point of perspective and being a player, um, how did four compare to you know New Vegas? What what was like disappointing? Because four hasn't seemed to have made the splash that you know the previous fallout games had like it's yeah. only like a year later now and we're you know no one's no one's really talking about it anymore or that kind of thing yeah it sold a lot when you look at it i think it sold like seven million units so it's a very yeah. high selling game but as far as the impact um it's it's not it's not as good a role-playing game and i i guess i've, I've talked about this quite a few times but there's no you're pretty much locked into being one sort of character and they don't give you a lot of other options. There's no... In in New Vegas and in 3, you can really be limit, severely limited in certain areas and severely gifted in certain areas and the game will reward you for that. Much well, like... They did, a, that, a, they did that specific thing where they made the main character an actual character. Yes, um, yes. Which I don't th- makes yeah, a don't huge think- difference. It makes a huge difference, but I think that's fine. Just because you say that, oh, they're a former soldier. You don't know what type of soldier there are. But it certainly didn't reward. It rewarded combat, and that was all it rewarded at, uh, by far. Whereas in New Vegas, you can play a no-kill run uh, pretty much entirely. In Fallout 3, you can play a no-kill run. In Fallout 4, you cannot. So much of that game involves killing it's not like a deus ex where you can really role play and they'll they'll have found out oh here's all these other ways you can play through this particular mission yeah in four there's almost all of them just end in killing the person it's yeah it's just it's just disappointing so it well they spend a lot of time building this whole weapon crafting thing and being able to be in a suit of armor and everything was directed towards pushing the player to in combat yeah and that loses what makes people what makes these games like skyrim and uh and new vegas and fallout 3 that people talk about for generations after that they keep there's active modding communities and and people actively talking about them still is their replayability and how many times you can creatively play the games whereas four i just don't think i've only played it through once and I don't really intend on playing it through again. But what it did was incredible. The the things that it did really well were great. I loved the the addition of the new uh, music station, classical music station. Great, we have even more songs. Or you have um, the art was incredible. That every single dungeon was totally different than the next. There, it didn't really feel like there was any cookie cutter in that 
whatsoever. Um, I still have Cookie Clicker on. By the way, I have two wizard towers, just in case you were wondering. Uh, in fact, I can even buy a third. Wow. Three wizard towers. Wow. I'm making 307,000 cookies per second. It still feels like a slow crawl. Such a shame. Well, um, when you get to the islands, you can push, you can keep those wizard towers coming. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, four, four was, it did a lot of things great. Voice acting, obviously really, really good. I thought the your two main leads did a really, really good job, uh, Courtney and Brian. I uh, There's a, a lot to love about the game, but as far as a Fallout game, it's not not the best. You've got New Vegas and, and Fallout 3. Who uh, who can still claim that title? You just need that. You need that writing. That and the the, the of course the faction system in four was was very uh, poor. Just the fact that you couldn't really do anything with any of them, and you had to choose one of them to end it all with for no real reason. There weren't multiple endings. There wasn't a whole lot. There was a lot that was missed about why the institute was doing what they were doing. There was a lot yeah. that was that seemed missing and rushed and. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it was still a fun game. Got like 120 hours in it. I don't, I don't mind it. Um, I, I don't it's think it was a bad Vegas, game. It just wasn't just, the greatest that yeah. it could be. Okay, yeah. that that's totally fair enough. Uh, a funny thing you will uh, find funny. Uh, Edge, obviously, mm-hmm. Wondrous Magazine of the UK gave Super Smash Brothers Melee a six out of ten. They also gave Fallout New Vegas a six out of ten. Oh boy, I have to be, uh, <laughs> never, never be around those guys. I actually I do think though Edge gave Final Fantasy 15 a high marks. Didn't they? I think uh, they were one I, of the one of the ones who gave it like a 9, something like that. Yeah, you Not think everybody did. But uh, <laughs> Hey, some people did some people gave it 10, I think. I don't think anybody gave it a 10, unfortunately. Really? Oh, yeah, I, I was looking at that maybe. and I was like, oh, I don't think anybody. Nobody no, loved it that much. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's not fair to say. Um, I was fortunate enough to be involved in a project where um, we we kind of got used to the ten out of tens um, being GTA Five. Uh, but what I'm trying to see where the edge. I can't see the edge Final Fantasy score. I'm really interested to see. <laughs> oh, now that I'm looking this up, I do remember they hated. No, Edge hated Final Fantasy Fifteen because they gave. They had this preview. I do remember this was quite a scandal. In the forums, I was always reading the forums when before Final Fantasy was released, just to see what people were talking about. And um, didn't they have like a forty-hour preview? They had a forty-hour preview, and they said it was terrible. And uh, people were like, "What? Where did this come from? What the hell?" So uh, maybe Edge just thinks that everybody is terrible. Uh, so maybe it's, it's, we it's so i am not responsible for anything ray chase says on the show Edge, please don't sue me um or anything like that um uh, i never yeah. bought your magazine i used to buy games tm in the uk over you but i do apologize <laughs> um so i don't see, not i don't actually see an edge review i couldn't find it uh, it just had their their scan maybe when they had the maybe preview. they just did the preview i'm not sure yeah, or maybe you have to buy the magazine to uh, see uh, the review oh yeah maybe which is how they get you. Which is yeah. how they get you. <laughs> uh, so, well, right. yeah, I guess uh, Edge and I uh, don't have the same uh, sort of outlook on things. But New same Vegas taste, is, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely, I think, holds up very well over time. I played it multiple times through. I played, they've got some great mods, like, oh, what's it called? Didn't the game director make a, his own mod? For New Vegas, that he is, made like a he made a like uh, I don't think he called it survival mode, but it is, it's his, um, 
because the game was rushed. It came out so quickly. It was incredible. I think they only had yeah. Two that's years why it was so buggy. Uh, yeah. to begin with. But uh, what what they did in those two years was incredible. The yes, the game director did come out with one that said, "Here's my what my actual vision for the project was," and it's things like uh, leveling system is a little bit different and um, combat is a little bit different. So it's just it's a lot of optimization, but not necessarily that the story is any different or uh, or gameplay is uh, is too different. It's a lot of just well, this is how I would have optimized it. I would have liked the leveling to be like this sort of stuff. So just sort of those small but significant changes to how he his original vision for the game was. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, what's the name of that mod? There was an amazing one that oh, Dust. I played through Dust. It was terrifying. Do you know that mod? Is that the one where you have to like drink water and eat and It is it's a survival game, but it's it takes place it's very well written. It's take it takes place uh, I believe 20 years after the events of New Vegas and uh, basically well, a lot of it is told because there's no voice acting. A lot of it is told just through journals and stuff. But you have to leave. You have to get out of New Vegas because it is turning into this horrible uh, waterless waste. Like Lake Mead is dry. There are these horrible creatures called tunnelers, which just roam the wastes and kill everybody. Everybody's a cannibal. Um, <coughs> it is. Uh, it's really scary. It's a very much a survival horror game. I played through that one. It's really, really good. So I think I'm there's a lot at, of wonderful mods for that game too. I'm looking at it now, and uh, it does sound really interesting. Um, cannibals, survivors, NCR tunnels, yeah. cloud victims, all these people. Who cloud victims. Oh my gosh, it's really, <laughs> it's really scary. And when you finally make it to Vegas, it's terrifying. <laughs> it is not a fun game by any means. <laughs> but it's it's fun to play through it again. So uh, I, I enjoyed playing New Vegas again. Well, you can have you can have all the mods as well. You can have all the mods oh for your gosh, Fallout New incredible. Vegas. Um, so you can have all the fun and all the or not fun if you're playing that mod. <laughs> <laughs> or do you? And while you're playing this next game, which is your final game, my final um, game on the final games list. So why don't we listen to some music from this next game and let's talk about your final game. We have come to the end of Ray's list, and it's been such a wonderful and pleasure having you here, Ray. Thank and you. I'm sad to be talking about the final game. I wish we had another eight games we could talk about. Ah. I've enjoyed every moment of this so far, and you've chosen a nice, a nice game, a game that's appeared once before on the show um, in a wow. kind of unusual circumstance, where the person who chose it wanted a kind of PC modded version because the game 
didn't run quite well in its original uh, format, as he said. Um, it's a game developed by Rare and published by Nintendo back in the, the heyday of when Rare and Nintendo were the best of friends. The golden age, and, yeah. Yeah, the best of friends who made such excellent games like Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong 64. Um, it was released for the Nintendo 64 back in May of 2000. It's the first person shooter, Perfect Dark. Perfect Ray, Dark. why is the final game on your list, Perfect Dark? Well... I th- I had, we had a lot of time to. I had a lot of time to prepare for this one because we. You invited me on the show maybe two months ago, and then life got in the way and all that sort of stuff. So I've, I've yeah. had a lot of time to think about it. And my list did change over time because I realized that, oh, that, I had, that happens. That, yeah, that I had happens. too many. I, I think on this this list, of especially too many cerebral games like Chips Challenge or, or Cookie Clicker or something like that, and I had to realize, no, I need some more fun games, some, some more where you're actually going around and shooting stuff. Or, or yeah, no platformers on this list. I thought about Mario Sunshine for a while, but I, I just couldn't. Uh, in the end, Perfect Dark won out just because, again, what a, a common through line with all these, which I think is the point of your show, is replayability. And how that much- has become. That has definitely become one of the main highlights of many people's choices. Yeah, is what am I, how am I going to play these games forever? Even though, say, Last of Us is an incredible game, you, there's no real reason to play through it more than twice, unless you're going for those super hardcore modes. The, but a game like Perfect Dark has a one, as a fun story, really, really cool and very far reaching, because you go to so many different places, starting at, the Carrington Institute, where it's it's like these high tech offices, uh, to all the way to these you you have you do one that's on a plane that's entirely on Air Force One. What a cool level design that was! Really cramped. <laughs> oh yeah, and there was an airport one. That's funny because there was uh, this came out in two thousand. Interesting. And there's one whole level about you're going through an airport, and I guess that's never appeared in a game since. Interesting. So you've got. All these interesting locations. You've got all of these um, real-world locations. There's a, a plane crash site, which is this huge open wasteland where you crash in, like, Alaska or something like that, so it's a big ice level. And then it ends where you go to these alien ruins, an alien submarine, and you finally you go, go to, to like, their, their Something gets world. shot down into, like, Area 51 or something as well, isn't it? Yes, well, that's a, that's a bonus level where you, you're playing as one of the aliens, as Elvis, um, and you do the Area 51. Yeah, yeah. I remember, There's yeah. some cool stuff where you're breaking out of it. Oh, no, I think you do it twice. You play it once as Joanna Dark through the actual main mission, and then you can, there's a bonus mission where you're playing as Elvis going all the way through. Really cool stuff. So, yeah, you get all these, you get these real-world locations, you get these everyday locations like an airplane or an airport, and then you've got these crazy, fantastic locations uh, like the uh, the home world of the, uh, of the aliens. Really, really interesting and varied level design just in the campaign. And some of the, this was back in the, because uh, this was basically a a clone of GoldenEye. So this was back in the day where you had these difficulty settings and you had different cheats that you could earn by playing through certain levels in a certain amount of time on a certain difficulty setting. And those were really fun because it, it adds such an interesting new challenge to say, man, I've got to play through this level in five minutes in on perfect mode. That's tough. But it's it's fun. You can play that forever just to it, unlock it, the, the cheat. 
it basically was just like an upgraded GoldenEye, essentially, with their yes. kind of cool new story because it required the expansion pack to play the campaign and then <laughs> yeah. most of the multiplayer. It was it was just the GoldenEye engine with some nice new polygons around it. Um, the gameplay was very much very similar um, and the way it worked. Um, obviously, it's been released, re-released on like the Xbox and we had Perfect Dark Zero, a sequel to it a little later. Would you take the N64 version with you? Is that the version you'd want to take? I like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't played it in a while, I'm sure. I did play GoldenEye a little while ago and I was just flabbergasted at how slow and clumsy it was uh, over time. <laughs> I remember it just being the coolest and smoothest and most amazing realistic shooter ever. But then going back to realize, oh, this did not age very well at all. I don't know if if Perfect Dark has aged very well. It's been a long time. I so I'm not sure, but I think I'll be okay with it just because I'm I remember it just being so I, I even back then because you needed that expansion pack, you'd go, "Wow, this really is a graphics intensive game." So it was pretty good even for its time. Uh having all those lighting effects and particle effects and uh and, and fun voice acting. Really fun uh, little scenes uh, that would, would happen between people. I, I enjoyed that very much. And in that one, you had um, you had little cameras, and um, that was the first game you had. Uh, you could do cameras that you could see through, and you had like a missile that you would guide and see through it that way too, right? You had some very interesting weapons that you all had, had like secondary... You had sort of futuristic technology. Yeah. That's what it kind of went So for. it did what GoldenEye did, but in so many ways better. And you had the Carrington Institute. So you had the main menu. If you stepped away from it, you would be in the in in your um your like MI6 sort of institute where you would <laughs> you'd walk around and do tutorials, but all the tutorials like the shooting gallery, I spent so much time in the shooting gallery, I had so many challenges for each weapon and some of them were puzzles because the weapons had two uh, types you would like fold it a different way it would become a grenade launcher or something like that it was really fun to to go through and puzzle your way through all those shooting challenges so I would play that forever I loved getting the the medals in that game I loved walking around the Carrington Institute I loved the combat and the multiplayer was fantastic and it has I AI. was just gonna ask did you play much of the multiplayer all the time I played it all the time and I especially I loved I thought the AI was very very good in that game well for the time again I don't know maybe maybe it hasn't <laughs> aged very well did it have all the sort of settings that GoldenEye had I can't remember where you could essentially set all the all the bots their lives their guns their yes you had all the customization sort of options yeah and and all the different game modes that it had too they had the king of the hill and the deathmatch and everything like that so it was really, so that's something, again, if I'm alone on an island, I would play a game where I could play against the computer forever because they were, the bots got really good at the higher difficulties and it would be really fun to play some of those custom uh, types of uh, death matches with bots all day. I, I could do that forever. That, that was a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, it sounds like the perfect package to be taking with you to end the show and to yes. send you on your way there you to go. your brand new home. Uh in a place that you're, in some meta way, very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but not at the time. I was always asking, what's Kaim? Where are we going? What is this place? <laughs> Where are we? What does this look like? What monsters are here? <laughs> Ray, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. We finally nailed you down and 
got to banish you away. I'm sorry about that part, but it's, <laughs> it's been fantastic having you here. Well, I'll be really um, happy. I'll, I'll be surrounded but, with my favorite games. That's great. I'm, uh, that's the best feeling. And, you know, you can just kick back and relax. As Noctis said, you know, you just get to play video games. Man. Yeah. That's, that's all you're going to do. <laughs> so I have to ask you the last question that I have to ask everyone before they leave. Um, and that is, if you could take one console with you, bearing in mind the back catalog and all the games released for that system, if you could only take one console with you, what console would it be? That is a... I've got so many good games that are all sort of represented by the consoles that I really liked and grew up with, like Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. Oh, man. I missed all the Zeldas, I just realized. That's terrible. Uh... But I want to say I want to say PlayStation Four, even though there's not a whole lot in that back catalog. I would still get the catalog as games are released, right? Is that how it would work? Yeah, yeah. I think maybe yeah, yeah. I think that okay. I think that's okay. Great, great. I'd take PlayStation Four in that in that case because I think it's a very good console. I, I really enjoy it, but it's also my first time playing online. I never had that experience that it seems everyone had where you played MMOs and things where there was interactivity with other players. And for the first time in my life, I'm playing games like Overwatch where, oh, I'm not, I'm not sitting next to the person I'm playing against. They're, they're a real person somewhere else. So I, I like it. It's, it's new. It's different. And none of my games that I'm bringing really represent that. So I'd bring, bring PlayStation 4 and play some online games on that. Well, that sounds great. You can't chat to them, though, because obviously the rules of the island, if you try to escape, we just can't have that. But I don't you can chat play I'm too uh, nervous for that, so don't worry. About it. <laughs> <laughs> a man who uses it. his voice yeah. for a living. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not speaking as me. I'm speaking as a character. It's so much easier. That's true. But I would say you have nailed this list and nailed this episode of the show. So thank you so much, Ray, for coming on. Thank you uh, very much for having me, Liam. a pleasure. And... I think you should let the wonderful people who've listened this far, um, where they can find you on the internet and what it is, maybe this this little game by Square Enix that's just come out that maybe they should check out. <laughs> World of Final Fantasy? It's a good one. <laughs> it's for PS Vita and PS4. Uh, maybe Xbox One, I don't even know. Or you can play Final Fantasy 15. You can find me on Twitter at, at @raychase, and... Uh, you can go to my website and listen to my voice reels if you want. There's also a YouTube channel, which I used to do back in the day. So there's some weird sketches and stuff on there uh, called Funsplosion. If you look up YouTube Funsplosion. So Funsplosion. Very strange Eric Andre style <laughs> sketches on there. Sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ray, thank you so much. As I said, this has been one of my favorite episodes. It's been such a pleasure to talk about some of the games I don't usually get to talk about that I wish Good. I could talk about. And uh after all of our conversations over the past few months, I'm finally glad we nailed this. Excellent. We got it down. It's Thanks. been a pleasure. So thank you to everyone who's listened to this episode of the show. You can obviously find us on the internet. We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on Acast. We are on every single one of those podcasting networks that you all use in some way. If you like the show, you can also rate and review it on iTunes. It really does help push it up those ranks. And also you can find us on Twitter at Final Game Show. And you can also find me personally on Twitter at Liam BME. And if for any reason you'd like to email the show, a lot of people do still email in the show quite 
quite often, um, which sometimes I'm slow to answer your emails because we get so many, but I will get to you eventually. You can email finalgamespodcast at gmail.com. So thank you once again for listening to this episode of Final Games, and I hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.